Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome into the Pat Johnson Show. Fast lane. Then be baby barn filling in for the T-Man. Those the ref Hilton alongside me. Uh, have some issues with his ears here. Looks like an old man complaining about his hearing aid. Filling in for the T-Man while he's on a much-deserved, much-needed break for the new year. And a lot happening around the local sport. Uh, now we begin with today's Pirate Report. Kind of some breaking news here. When it comes to the ECU women's basketball team. Today's Pirate Report brought to you by Greenville Pathology. We're part of a local community, Greenville Pathology. We don't see a specimen. We see you. Also by Wilson Roads Heating and Air Conditioning, keeping you comfortable since 1961. So just breaking from the ECU Athletics website, ECU women's basketball will not make the trip to Fort Worth to play SMU because of COVID issues within the Pirate program, much like the men's basketball team. That game was slated for this Saturday, the 1st, and uh, not looking too good. We've also heard, uh, this is kind of off the record, nothing official, that uh, the game coming up, I believe, tomorrow with men's basketball? Was it tomorrow Saturday. or Saturday? Saturday. South Florida. Against South Florida. Uh, it's kind of doubtful. Highly doubtful that that's going to be played. That's not official. No official confirmation or word there, but things kind of seem to be trending in that direction as the Pirates still kind of recover with COVID this new variant well unless these come back as false positive tests i mean i think even the ncaa has recently changed their or everybody's kind of trying to change that policy to five days with everybody testing positive wednesday you know basic math there says uh saturday is most likely not going to happen so yeah. uh, obviously no confirmation like i said hopefully maybe there was a lot of false positives and everybody's good to go and that, that was what fingers crossed would say but uh you know likelihood of that's probably slim to none yeah they didn't go into much detail about it when it was kind of released and confirmed uh, that that game was not going to be played against Wichita State. But what I heard from Patrick, I would believe he would have it under good authority since he works on the ESPN Plus broadcast. That a lot of it was contact tracing. wasn't necessarily positive cases outright when it comes to COVID. Just a lot of contact tracing. So hopefully that's some positive news. Maybe that's a way to take a step in the right direction when it comes to getting back on the court and playing some basketball there. Well, the only junky thing about that is I was under the impression that is if you're vaccinated, you don't have to do the contact tracing. And obviously we don't know every player's medical records, but Coach Dooley made it seem like at the beginning of the year that most of, if not all of our players are vaccinated. So you would hope the contact tracing thing wouldn't pop well, up too much. What I understand about this new variant is you can be vaccinated and still get it. So I don't know if that that's how it is with all the variants. That, well, that's how it is with the flu. Either that's how way. it is with everything. Either way. I, I think the whole COVID deal still very much kind of scares them, still very much kind of stands out to them. They don't want people playing on the court or being involved with a team who still have COVID, no matter the variant. So, I mean, I understand it. It makes sense. It sucks it's got to be this way. But I, I anticipate hopefully soon we'll be back on the court. Speaking of local hoops, uh, Farmville Central, in quite a scenario, unlike anything I've ever seen before, 
Uh, they went over to the John Wall Invitational at Wake Tech over near uh, the Raleigh area, taking on Life Christian in a national tournament. Bizarre story here. I've never seen anything like this. Life Christian out of Kissimmee, Florida. About 6.50 on the clock in the first quarter. Nobody had scored yet. Farmville Central finally scored. It was one to nothing, And a brawl breaks out in the stands and leaked out into the court. Does not stop there. Does not get under control. Cops have to stop it with tear gas. There's a full-on riot going on. There's videos of this. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. I have seen fights at Farmville Central games. Nothing to where the game had to be postponed to the next day because of the tear gas on the court. Have you heard anything like this? Like, this is this is bizarre. It sounds like Navy SEAL training. Tear gas or, or some kind of riots. I mean, that is crazy. And the crazy thing, too, is like this team's from Florida and then it's a team from North Carolina. So it's not like the fans already have an aggression. You know, if this is Conley and Rose, it's like these guys have been trained to hate the other ones since, you know, like they were two years old and old enough to talk. Or, you know, if this is an NFL game among the Eagles and any NFC, or really anybody because Eagles fans are horrible, you know, that makes sense. But these two teams probably didn't know each other existed till like 30 minutes before tip-off. Well, I'm looking at the video here, and it definitely looks like it's some parents. Maybe some things are said about some kids. I don't know what the scenario is. Obviously, nobody's going to really know until there's some kind of, I don't know, police questioning or something. I have no idea. But, yeah, this is this is just straight-up bizarre. And uh, the fact that it had to be played at 9 o'clock in the morning postponed after a one to nothing ball game six minutes into the first quarter, that, I mean, I've never seen anything like that. that that's absolutely insane. A uh, couple people on the scene uh, claim that it was a minor brawl, but, I mean, looking at the video, that doesn't seem to be the case. I'm seeing five different fights breaking out. And obviously, it's not a minor brawl if tear gas has to be used. Just... Absolutely, uh, I wouldn't say incredible. Not an incredible sight, but a, uh, I don't know. Something I've never seen before. Definitely something I did not anticipate. This is the first game probably in the history of sports that's been postponed at 1-0 to zero that is not a baseball game. Due to tear gas. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. there's probably been some tear gas. There's probably been some crazy soccer games going on down in South America where maybe that's happened. But, okay, so I'll tell you about Soccer or baseball is probably the only sport that's ever been postponed at one to nothing. Yeah, I... <laughs> You would have thought it was a soccer or hockey game, the way the score was looking. I mean, six minutes to the first quarter, only one point. Some killer defense was being played there. But wasn't the first time I've seen a fight at a formal Central game. I saw it back in the Eastern Conference Finals before the whole COVID thing hit. Uh, who were they playing? They were playing whatever team Bobby Pettiford was on. I, I, I don't remember exactly what high school that was. But, yeah, some fans broke out into a brawl during that game on the sidelines. And that was kind of broken up pretty quickly. So I'm just kind of trying to figure out what went wrong here to the point where they delayed it till the next day. They had to have half the fans, only half the fans that were in attendance for the previous uh, day were now allowed um, the second day. And uh, there was even more security. So this is this is not a good sight, not a good look for uh, Farmville Central, and not, not a good look for our local sports in general. Just kind of absolutely disgusting, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, it is, but uh, I guess crazy things happen. But moving on, talking about other local sports teams, how about them Tar Heels getting wrecked today? It's uh, always a good day in Pirate Country when Carolina loses. Oh, absolutely. And the fact they lost to uh, South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina didn't have the best year. A team, I actually thought UNC was going to win this game. Uh, about the only saving grace to me when it comes to South Carolina is their defensive line. I mean, it's no joke, but. 
I wouldn't expect a 38 to 21 kind of stomping here by the Gamecocks. Definitely not the season Mac Brown anticipated when he's getting what a top five recruiting class and they have national championship aspirations. You got to think Matt Brown's up on the hot seat coming into next year. Definitely potential. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the quarterback play. Does Sam Howe return? Is it Drake May, brother to Luke May? Um, a lot of questions in that UNC program. But a top recruiting class, so that'll definitely help them out. I think it's top ten, maybe middle of the top ten. I feel like they've had the top recruiting class for like the past two, three years now. Something's got to change. you got to turn a corner. Yeah, true. Who knows? But a lot to college football to talk about, which we will get to on the other side of this break. We are joined by Jonathan Wagner from On3. He is a former intern at Hoist the Colors, now works for On3. And uh, we are going to get to him to talk about the college football playoff and more on the other side of this quick timeout. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate. Patrick Johnson's show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. For over 100 years, the families at Bertie County Peanuts have been growing and selling peanuts. Much has changed since 1919, but quality is still number one. So if you're looking for great North Carolina snacks and gifts, look no further than Bertie County Peanuts. Small batch, hand-cooked, and 100% guaranteed. You can't go wrong with their gourmet peanuts. Shop online at BertieCountyPeanuts.net and your order will be delivered right to your front door. Bertie County Peanuts, a North Carolina tradition. I'm with my health insurance agent, Bill Jenkins. Bill is an employee benefit specialist and life insurance agent from Town Insurance. Bill, give us an update on Town Insurance here in North Carolina. Town Insurance is a top insurance and employee benefits agency in North Carolina and ranks in the top 50s nationwide. We have primary offices in Greenville, Kinston, Wilmington, Raleigh, and now Charlotte. And Bill, what are areas Town Insurance specializes in? With our experienced account management team, we specialize in employee benefits, including group medical, dental, life, vision, disability, and voluntary options for employees. We compare these options with several of the best carriers in the market and assist businesses on benefit administration, as well as employee education and enrollments. And how can a business best contact you to review their employee benefits program? Give us a call, 252-756-8300. Call today as the best time is now to come to town. Chico's Mexican Restaurant is the home of the best margaritas. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's every Tuesday for the Gulp of Mexico, a huge 46-ounce lime margarita for only $6.99. On Thursdays, relax and enjoy half-price pitchers of Chico's house margaritas. Choose from lime, strawberry, blood orange, raspberry, or peach. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's in downtown Greenville and now available through DoorDash, featuring a half-gallon of the famous margarita mix to go for only $9.99. Chico's, where the fiesta never ends. We paid how much for those lessons? Shh, she's doing great. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, can you pass me a Pepsi Zero Sugar? <sighs> great job, honey! Oh. oh, look at that, that's not the end. No way, now it's time for the encore. You know what, you're right. Five times, not enough times. For everyone who traded in rock concerts for their kids' recitals, you've compromised enough. Pepsi Zero Sugar, that's what I like. Here is your ice-cold Pepsi Zero Sugar, sir. Oh, thanks. Want to watch the game? Ooh, little sports ball on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. 
Hey, did we win? I, it, it sounds like we won. It's still the first quarter. I must be lucky. People say that about me. Tough break on that free throw there. Shouldn't be doing that. Dude, we're watching football. Come on. For everyone who spent the entire game explaining the entire game, you've compromised enough. Pepsi Zero Sugar. That's what I like. <sighs> like us on Facebook for breaking sports stories and the latest from around the Pirate Nation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's 94.3 The Game's Facebook page. Like us and follow us there today. We're back here on the Patrick Johnson Show. B-Baby Ben Byram and Philip Pilkington filling in for the P-Man. we got Chill Phil across the way. And we are joined by Jonathan Wagner, as we said earlier, former intern at Hoist the Colors, so he knows all about the Pirate Nation. And uh, he currently works for On3. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going pretty good, you know. I'm excited to be back in Pirate Country talking some football, whether it's ECU or whoever, but it's good to be here. So, and you work for On3, so just a quick uh, little spec as to what it is and what you do here there so i'm a i'm a writer on our national news desk i focus heavily on college football college basketball we do a little bit of nfl as well nba kind of whatever's big at the time and on three we just launched in july so we're brand new we're still growing right now created by shannon terry the same guy who created rivals 24 7 so we've got a lot of talented writers a lot of talented reporters here and we're going really well, and I'm excited to see us, you know, keep going forward. But it's it's been a really great opportunity so far. Well, I'm glad you got that opportunity. I know you, uh, Igo always talks about what great work you did for him, and like you said, you got a lot of great writers. But the cool thing about it too is, sounds like you guys got some great leadership up at the top. And uh, like you said, you kind of focus on the college football, and there's no bigger time in college football than six bowl games that are coming up here in the next three days. It does start tonight with Pittsburgh and Michigan State. Obviously, no Kenny Pickett tonight, so you got to throw that Sparty's way a little bit. But the big thing we're going to talk about is the college football playoff. First game tomorrow, Cincinnati-Bama, followed by Georgia and Michigan. Do you First off, Cincinnati out of the American, what does this mean for the American Conference financially and just on a publicity stage to get a team into the college football playoff? I think it means everything. You know, the American, it's always been power six, and we've always said we want a seat at the table. And Cincinnati played well this year, and they got that seat. And they had to play. It wasn't given to them, and they had to play strong throughout the year. I think if they would have finished slowly, as some thought they might, against probably their toughest competition of the year outside of Notre Dame earlier you know playing SMU and then obviously conference championship against Houston you know if Cincinnati stumbled style points was everything so if Cincinnati stumbled I'm not sure if they would have gotten in but they did and now that they're in I think it's really it's awesome for the American from financial standpoint just from just general basis I think it's big because financial, every team in American gets a little bit, I don't know the exact numbers, but every team will get some financial benefit from it. And I think just generally, you know, Cincinnati's a good team. I think they deserve a shot at the table, and they're getting their chance, and they get to go up against the number one team in the country in Alabama. And if they can come and take care of business, I think it's going to even just be competitive in that game. I think it's going to do wonders moving forward for teams like Cincinnati coming out of non-Power 5. So obviously nationally, uh, the common fan doesn't really give Cincinnati much of a shot to be Alabama in this game. If you were to make a sales pitch to a fan why you should watch this game and why you should be in Cincinnati, what kind of keeps Cincinnati in this matchup? What's the case for Cincinnati possibly winning this game at the final odds? 
to me, it's their defense, and specifically their secondary. They're led by two All-American corners and Ahmad Garner and Kobe Bryant, and they've got other pieces in the secondary that they create turnovers, they make stops, they break up passes, and they've done it consistently throughout the past couple of years. It's not just this year. It's carryover from last year. Ahmad Gardner has not given up a touchdown in his collegiate career. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Kobe Bryant's going to be a future first-round draft pick. And I think their defensive front is solid, too. I'd be, I'll be interested to see how they go up against Alabama's offensive front. And I think that's going to force Alabama to kind of, you know, run the ball. And that's something that Alabama struggled with. And, you know, here and there, struggled with to an extent. You know, it's Alabama still. They can run the ball if they need to. But Alabama is led by Bryce Young at quarterback. And I think going up against the Cincinnati secondary is going to be one of his toughest tests of the year. I definitely agree. And what I think they've uh... – that they the Cincinnati team does so well. Holton kind of hit on this when when our boys played them. Is that um, they'll run man, but it's not just a true cover zero where they send everybody that's not in man coverage. Because you talked about those great corners, but those guys will have help from zone, from a couple guys dropping into a zone, and they can still get after you with those four defensive linemen and force you to get that ball out quick. And they're going to have somebody dropping to help out those stud corners that could potentially get in that passing lane, knock the ball down, or force early turnovers. And I think that's the, might be the key for Cincinnati, forcing some early turnovers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another part of it is you look at Alabama's offensive weapons. They have Jamison Williams, who's obviously a star wide receiver, I think is going to be a top 10 draft pick. Um, but John Mechie, he's out. He's not playing. He's done. He's injured. He hurt his knee, I believe. And outside of Jamison Williams and John Mechie, uh, I think Alabama has one more receiver on their roster with 300 yards receiving. They have a couple tight ends that are up there and a running back, but the talent drop-off between Jamison Williams and John Mechie to the Slade Bolden, I think he's the their third-leading receiver, and their younger guys who've come in and haven't gotten their shot yet, they're going to get their shot on the biggest test, on the biggest stage against a really tough test against that Cincinnati secondary. So I think there's a lot of factors, but Bryce Young is going to have to have a nice day and – He's not going to be able to just do it through Jamison Williams, which is going to be a tough adjustment with those other guys stepping up, like I mentioned. Do you think it helps Cincinnati that they played in a New Year's Six last year? against? An, they played Georgia, right? Yeah. yeah. So against an SEC opponent. So it's not going to actually be a shock for them. Do you think that really, even though they lost that game, do you think that game could serve as a stepping stone that could really help them tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, obviously – like I said earlier, this is obviously Cincinnati's toughest test of the season. And But playing last year against Georgia, not only did they play Georgia, they lost, but it was a close game. They were in the game you know, for the large majority of it. So not only did they play and they get a shot against an SEC team like that, and but they played very well and they proved that they belong. So now they get another chance against Alabama. Alabama's been inconsistent. I think all the teams at the top have been inconsistent at times throughout the year. And Cincinnati's no different, but I think that I think they have a real shot, but they're gonna need some things to go their way. But I wouldn't count them out because last if last year showed me anything, they can compete with the big dogs and I think they're going to tomorrow. As we know, as sports fans, we know all it takes sometimes is being in that game, because at the end anything can happen. We've seen some strange things happen in cool ways for our own teams and bad ways for our own teams. Obviously us being pirate fans here, that Memphis game comes to mind and some things that went really cool at the end of the game for us. But um, Bama, not saying it's going to be a blowout, but they are two touchdown favorites. And then we move to the other game, Georgia and Michigan. This line has 
bounced around right now. Looks like Georgia's favored by about a touchdown ish, depending on what you look at. They've I think it might have opened around a field goal. This game I mean, you gotta give the nod to the SEC by default because the team not out of the SEC isn't Ohio State, who seems like the only or Clemson, which seems like the only other teams that can win against SEC teams in this uh in this college football playoff, but I think this is really the game to keep an eye on. This really could be a coin toss pick 'em game in a way. Yeah, I agree. I think I think th- this is one of my favorite matchups. Uh, I think all season long. Just I think these two teams match up really interestingly, and throughout the year, in the beginning of the year, I counted Michigan out, and I I didn't think they were that good when they went into that stretch against Michigan State. Um, I believe Michigan State took that game, and then yeah, okay, that was their only loss of the year. And then, but once Michigan went up against Ohio State, I said, I think Ohio State's going to win big. Yeah, I think Ohio really. State's going to be that team in the second spot in the playoff. And I, I gave Michigan no chance at all. But after watching them and how they performed in that game, I think they're legit. And they do it in a lot of ways. Their passing attack can be good. Their offensive line is really good. Their rushing attack is dominant at times with Hussein Haskins and Blake Corum. But the defense is legit as well. And Georgia, it's – Georgia, they looked like that unbeatable team. They looked like the Alabama of last year up until facing Alabama in the SEC title game. And Alabama was obviously Georgia's toughest test of the year. Georgia was in the weaker part of the SEC division-wise. Didn't really have a bunch of tough tests throughout the year, I didn't think. But I did not expect that in the SEC title game. So I think when you look at it, Michigan and Georgia have been two different teams for me. Michigan, I was low on to start. I got higher on them as the season went on. Georgia, I was high on them earlier, but now I'm iffy. But I really think it's going to be a close game. Um, I, I could see either team make winning this game. I think either, there's a there's a conversation and an argument for both. I think the kind of the great equalizer in this game is the fact that in previous college football playoffs, usually each team has a star quarterback or a highly touted quarterback. In this game, you have a backup quarterback starting at Georgia and Stetson Bennett, and you have Cademan Nakamura, whatever his name is, starting for Michigan. So these are not like names in college football. So I think that's something kind of very interesting and something to look forward to when it comes to this game. Relatively unknowns coming in. They have a chance to kind of prove themselves and maybe improve their draft stock moving forward. So that's something I'm personally kind of looking forward to. Guys getting a chance to kind of prove themselves on the biggest stage possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think – you know, on Georgia's side, you mentioned Stetson Bennett, backup. JT Daniels opened the year expected to start, and he was hurt. Five-star recruit. Yeah, and I thought last year at the end of the season when JT Daniels, I believe he played in the final four games for Georgia when he recovered from his ACL injury, and he looked really good doing it. So coming into this year, I said, okay, he's going to be in a Heisman conversation. JT Daniels is going to be the guy. And he got hurt, but it took him a while to get back, and Georgia – was really cautious in getting him to come back to the field. But, you know, once he was able to return, he's stayed on the bench. Because Stetson Bennett, I think he's done a good job. I think he has his flaws in his game. But when you're on this type of stage, it's risky to throw in JT Daniels when he's obviously rusty, hasn't played a lot. And Stetson Bennett, I think his game, he can move a little bit. He's a little more athletic than JT Daniels. And I think that's going to be valuable against Michigan's defensive front. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo. So I think Stetson Bennett fits the offense Georgia needs to run against Michigan. But 
On the flip side, Cade McNamara, I think, um, early in the year, I didn't know if he was going to make it through the season as a team starter. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's kind of two completely different but also very similar approaches at quarterback for these two teams. So I don't know. I haven't been high on them. Again, same thing as Michigan. I wasn't high on them earlier in the year, but the longer you go on, the higher I've gotten on them. And Cade McNamara has shown if he can get some protection, then he can really sling it, and he's got some talent and weapons on that offense. You know, is it kind of fair to say, because when we talked about the non-big guys playing quarterback in this game, there are two big quarterbacks in the other game. It almost seems like the Bama-Cincinnati game, they're going to score, and it's going to be whoever can come up with a stop to win the game. Whereas I almost wonder in this game, they're going to get stops, but it's going to be who can come up with that score at the end of the game to seal the deal. Because I really could see this one being a good old-fashioned, looking more like a Big Ten game than an SEC game. You know, a good defensive slugfest. And uh, I know sometimes to the fans that's not as appealing, but I do love a good defensive game. When it is good defense, not bad offense, and I think that could happen in this game. I'm right with you. I think, you know, I, li- I like seeing some big plays, some explosive plays here, and we're going to see that in the first game, like you said. I, I really believe we're going to see a lot of that, but I- I'm-, I'm with you. I like a nice lower scoring, not necessarily a low scoring, you know, a 10-3. to 3 That I think that can sometimes get a little bit boring, but I like to see – Two strong defensive teams really making the other team fight for every yard, every play, and I think that's the type of game we're going to get with Georgia and Michigan. Michigan's defense is good. Georgia's defense was historically good. And like I said, I think they had a little bit weaker competition in the regular season leading up to the postseason for Georgia. So I'll be interested to see how that you know, translates to the stage, but you can't deny the talent on both sides of those defenses for Georgia and Michigan is legit. And... I'm excited. That's like I said. I'm. I, that's the most exciting matchup to me on in one of the most exciting matchups of this entire college football season, and I. I that's. I'm going to be tuning into that game, and it's going to be a good one. No, I agree. It is, and uh, you know, you said you don't want the game to be ten to three. Yes, let's not rewatch Super Bowl Fifty Three <laughs> between the Pats and the Rams as much as we like defensive slugfest. That one did get a little boring, but uh, so um, what are your predictions for these two games? All right, so I'll start with the early game. I think that Cincinnati, I think this game is going to be very similar to ECU-Cincinnati in Greenville this year in the beginning. I think Cincinnati is going to be within a score at the end of the first quarter against Alabama. I think at halftime that probably grows a little bit. I think Cincinnati is good enough to keep that around 10 points throughout the game. So... You know, it's tough. I really think Alabama's good, but I, I'm going to take Alabama, and I'm going to take them by 13. That's interesting. I would expect a bigger deficit than that. I like I like that pick there. Got some faith in Cincinnati. I'm not a Desmond Ritter guy. I don't think. I, I got Cincinnati losing by 24. I want them to, like, make it close, but I, I think it's going to be a huge deficit. I just don't trust Desmond Ritter. I look at his games this year. I, South Florida didn't look that great. Had pedestrian numbers. I'm looking at Tulsa. Didn't look that great. Navy, Indiana, just even against ECU, I didn't think he blew me away necessarily. So I, I just don't trust Desmond Ritter all that much when it terms of getting it done in the biggest game of the season. Wow, Ben's saying they cover easy. This is for entertainment purposes only, these spreads. But uh, Ben's saying – 24 is just a number that's he's, just sticking he's in my mind right now. hammer Bama, minus 14, minus 13 and a half, whatever you're seeing. And then uh, Jonathan will go to you for that second game, that defensive slugfest, old school football. The defensive slugfest, I think, and I was talking to you, I think, 
the other day about this, Phil, but I think we're there's one of two things that's going to happen in this game. I think either Michigan wins in SEC championship fashion like Alabama did, or Georgia wins a close one, a three-point game that goes to the end. But personally, I, I lean – man, I'm going back and forth. I have no idea what I'm going to say. But I really think both teams could do it. But in the end, I'm going to say that Michigan's defense is enough and Michigan walks away – with a seven to ten point victory. Wow! All right, that's big. I don't think I've heard that prediction yet by anybody. Michigan winning that game, especially against the number one team in the country. That's interesting. I like it. Well, I think part of the reason we hesitate to pick Michigan is because we hesitate to pick Jim Harbaugh. Is more than it is Michigan. I think what Jonathan's doing the rational thing here and actually looking at the guys that are going to be playing this game between the white lines and analyzing how they've played this year. Whereas I think the rest of us, and you know what, maybe we're right to, because he can't win the big game. He finally beat Ohio State. Maybe he finally got the monkey off his back. But we like to believe that Jim Harbaugh can't win the big game. I mean, heck, he was getting blown out in the Super Bowl until the lights went out for like 45 minutes. And, you know, it took the momentum away from Baltimore, and he somewhat was able to get it close. But it seems like he could never win the big one. So... Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they haven't been there before, uh, especially under Jim Harbaugh, definitely kind of brings up a lot of questions when it comes to that team. But the defense, like you said, is legit. And uh, there's a little bit of questions on both sides when it comes to each team's offense. So I could really see it being a toss-up. I'm personally going to lean towards more Georgia because they have a little bit more experience when it comes to playing on the biggest stage possible in college football. But I could see it either way. I mean, I'm not – too confident in that pick, so I like Mich- I like the Michigan pick there. I, I, I like your confidence there when it comes to that pick. I'm just hoping it's not one of those years where we both like can't wait for the game to be over. <laughs> They're not both 40 point games. Or 55 to 21. This was horrible. This was so bad. Speaking of games that could get out of hand, we probably can't get through all the New Year's Six, but we got a little more time here. We're gonna get to just one more game. Uh, the game I was gonna ask you about is. Uh, Probably the hottest team in the country. It's called hard, tough to call anybody hot, I guess, when they haven't played in a month. But Utah's been scary good lately, and Ohio State, well, they're the big bad Ohio State. That's at 5 o'clock on New Year's Day. That's Saturday in the Rose Bowl. Does Utah stand a chance, you think, in this one to keep it, I like keep Utah. our interest? I like Utah. I, I like Ohio State. And my thing with Utah, I like Utah. I think they're a very good football team. But I think a lot of people are putting a lot of stock into their two of the last three games against Oregon. I think Oregon really fell off a cliff, to be completely honest with you. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can look at the scores, but Oregon has not did not finish the season well. So I think that's part of it when I look at Utah. Not taking anything away because they are a good team. They've gone through a lot this year too. So they they've played with emotion all year long. I love the team. I love that what they've been able to do. But like I said, when Michigan played o- Ohio State, I just think Ohio State is that good. I still believe in C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson at running back. He's really good, too. I think they're both you know, offensive cornerstone-type players. And ultimately, I just think Ohio State's offense is better than anything Utah can put up against it. So I, I just don't see Utah being able to stop Ohio State, and I like Ohio State, but I do think it will be a very close game. 
That's what I'm hoping for. I just want it to be close. And back to what Jonathan said about Oregon not finishing the season strong, just a reminder, they lost by 15 last night to Oklahoma. Oklahoma without Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma, whose head coach has not even been at the program this year because he was an interim that they got off Fox Sports big noon kickoff. Oregon doesn't have their head coach either. True. But I think my point is he's right. Utah's good, but don't – Oregon's not as good as we thought. Yeah, they beat Ohio State early in the year at the horseshoe week two, but uh, let's, you know, maybe Oregon isn't as good. And I'll point out, too, that game last night – it was 15, like you said. It was not that close. Yeah, no, it was they not had that close. They had like two random touchdowns at the end of the game, and yeah, I never, it, yeah. I never felt like, it was like like even when we left, I, I we left trivia at what time? I don't even know. And it probably was probably nine thirty. Nine thirty, and I thought it was at hand by then. Right. It had only been going on for what? It was not. It was midway through the second quarter. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm a person of logic. All right, I like to simplify things when it comes to these type of matchups. I like the fact that. Oregon had arguably the best win in the country against Ohio State, and the fact that Utah beat them twice pretty convincingly has me leaning more so towards Utah. I'm just I'm a person of logic. I'm not going to get too into it. Just makes the most sense to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Leave it at that. I like I like an underdog too. I respect that. I respect that, and I respect <laughs> the Utah pick. I re- I respect it a lot. Like I said, Utah's been through a lot this year, and I just think uh, they're good. But I just lean Ohio State. But it will be a one possession game. I just think it's going to be really cool when they do win. I'm like, yep, I'm the only person that called it. Hey, you know, let the record show. Ben has, like, done a really good job predicting upsets this yeah. year. Okay, he picked Oregon to beat Ohio State, and what was the other pick? There was, like, a week later, there was some big-time upset, and was, only you picked it. I can't remember who it was. Was it an Oklahoma State deal? I feel like I, uh, yeah, it was some game like that. Either way. Baylor, no, Baylor lost their first. Or was it Oregon's first loss, maybe? I don't know. All I know there is – There was some I, loss in there that you predicted, and I was like, yeah, Ben, I, I think we've talked about it on there. And I was like, Ben, you're dumb. <laughs> Whoever you picked won by like 14. Not to discredit anything you're saying over there, Jonathan, but uh, when the guy picks upsets, well, he announces upsets. Maybe he picks like four <laughs> in his head every week, and we, for all we know, he's getting like 2% of them right. But uh, Look, I told you my formula. I have a formula in my head, and it hasn't failed me yet. I'm going with Utah. If, if we were a betting state, I'm putting all my chips in on Utah. I like the fact they're called the Utes. They didn't even waste time trying to come from a mascot. Utah Utes, simple. I like it. Let's stick to football. Let's get to playing football. Let's not worry about a cool mascot or whatever. A Ute is a Native American tribe. Come on, that's an actual thing. Um, the other thing, though, is I just want you to remember, Ben, all good things must come to an end. So that's probably what's going to happen with your uh, – I don't know. With your, with your Utah's film themselves. Yeah, I don't know. I mean – I like Ohio State, but I don't like him enough where if I was in a position to put any money on him, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, That's how good that game is going to be, I think. So, you know, Ben, you might be onto something here. Um, who knows? You you have a better track record than I do in picking predictions. So, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. I like my Monday. formula. I like my formula. I'll call everybody up and let them know, hey, guys. Hey, Jonathan, Jonathan is a little humble over there. We are in a pick him for NFL, and he did win this past week. So he did I am win the week. champion, you know. You know, he is. He's doing pretty good over on the end. Well, it's a long time coming. It I is. Think it's credit. That's it tough. Picking them in the NFL this year is oh. has not been easy. It's been such a I, I think it's been pretty game. good. Of course, I'm I, in the ESPN rankings. I'm I'm 17 out yeah, of how many? Yeah, you, you I, would think that. Yeah, though. yeah. I you think would. it's been easy, man. I've been picking the upsets right. We'll you see. know, I won last year weeks two and three, and I haven't won one since until this week of this year. So 
it's nice to be back on top. Well, congratulations. We we enjoy having you back on top up there with us, me and the others. Heck yeah. I respect it. All righty. Well, we've got to get to another break. When we come back, we're going to – Ben, myself, and Chill Phil, we're going to break down the uh, – NFL playoff picture, but that'll be it for the college football playoffs, at least for now. So thank you very much, Jonathan, for coming in, being a guest. We really enjoyed having you. We hope Better to pleasure, have you yeah. again at some point, especially with college you focusing mostly on college and you know, March Madness is not all that far away, and neither is college baseball. Oh yeah, I'm pumped. Uh I really appreciate you guys having me on. But if you guys want to check out on three, on three dot com and yeah, hopefully you guys can get me back on. I'm always in. So it was great. It was a good time. Sounds good. Thanks once again. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. On your flagship home of Pirate Football. 94.3 The Game. At Union Bank, we understand you live life on the go. That's why our banking options are designed to serve you wherever you are. Meet with us in person at one of our local branches, complete banking tasks on the go from the mobile app, or bank from your office with convenient remote deposit and cash management services. Whether you're managing a busy schedule or an entire business, we're right there with you with helpful tools. Call or visit us online at unionbanknc.com. At Union Bank, we're everywhere you need us to be. Union Bank, member FDIC and Equal Housing Need $1,000 to $10,000 immediately for a gift for someone special, car repairs, or unexpected expenses? Time Financing Service offers competitive loan rates. Apply online and get your answer in less than an hour in most cases. Then you can pick up the cash at any of our 24 convenient locations. Apply online 24-7 at timefinancing.com. That's timefinancing.com. Time Financing Service. All loans subject to current credit policy of Time Financing Service. One-hour loan approval and same-day cash in most circumstances except may apply. Finally, we're back to traveling for the holiday season. Save time, fly local at flypgv.com. Whether you're flying to see family or having a family vacation, Pitt Greenville Airport and American Airlines can get you to Charlotte, then anywhere on the map. Save holiday time by parking right at the PGV terminal. Save time with short lines and ticketing and security. Save time by not driving an hour and a half to a big city airport. Check out the competitive rates offered at aa.com and support your local Pitt Greenville Airport this holiday season. This year, U.S. Cellular is making a big deal out of the holidays. You can choose any phone from any brand free. That's right, any phone you see in our store is free. And get unlimited data for our best price of the season. Just $30 a month per line with four lines. Feel the locally grown joy from U.S. Cellular, America's locally grown wireless. Limited time offer. Terms apply. See uscellular.com for details. Now that life is returning to normal, we've found a lot of good things that came from the pandemic. One of them is not having to go to the wireless store anymore. The Cellular Warehouse team has been in the business of delivering phones to your home and office for 20 years. People found out about our free delivery service and they love the ease of getting a new phone, tablet, or hotspot. Call Toby Williams today at 252-799-7051 so you can start experiencing the joy of never going to a wireless store again. 252-799-7051. Cellular Warehouse, your local U.S. Cellular authorized agent. Get the latest on the East Carolina Pirates each day on the Patrick Johnson Show with our daily Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to the Pat Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron, 
my man Philip the Rev Hilkington. And an interesting year for the NFL. Like I said earlier, it's been a real toss-up when it came to picking games this year. Philip would tell you otherwise because he thinks he's the star of the NFL when it comes to picks. I mean, he's, he's got the numbers to prove it. He's got the facts to back it up. But just kind of taking a look at the playoff picture here, uh, a lot kind of in limbo, especially when it comes to the AFC. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and we're talking, what is it? Was it 11 different teams have a possibility of making the playoffs in the AFC right now? It's absolutely ridiculous. 13. 13. 13, actually. Lucky number 13. There we go. Broncos, who are 7-8, fourth in the AFC West, still have a likely scenario. Well, not I wouldn't say likely, but they still have a scenario to get there. As well as the Browns, we talk about how bad the Browns are struggling. They're still in the hunt. As well as the Steelers. I mean, it's it's all over the place. I never would have thought the Raiders had a better chance than the Ravens right now going into the playoffs. So it's it's been absolutely insane. And then to think that Washington as well in the NFC um, potentially has a chance. I mean, this has just been the state of the NFL this year, especially with COVID being the great equalizer. Well, the one thing I will say about the AFC, so the Chiefs, they're the only team to be guaranteed in. Yep. There are technically 13 teams alive. There are seven spots. So it means there are six spots left, and there are 12 teams fighting for them. So half the teams that are logically can make it in the AFC are going to miss, and there's two games to go. Yeah, and I'm looking at Miami here. There was a team that started the year on, what was it, a seven-game losing streak? They one won. week one, yep. lost seven in a row. Yep. One seven and seven around. game winning streak. I think we kind of spearheaded it. We were like their second or third win, if I'm not mistaken. One of the worst ball games of this year when it came to the Panthers outside of maybe that Patriots game. But yeah, the fact that they're sitting in it, I would have never have guessed it, especially because I'm not a big Tua believer, especially when it comes to like the fact that now they're going to have to be playing some meaningful football. I'm not going to bank all my cards into Tua when you got the Chargers sitting on the outside looking in against the Broncos. And you got the Raiders taking on the Colts, who I get the Colts have been on a run. I, I still don't believe in them to be a sure well, thing. Well, no Carson Wentz this yeah. week. Yeah. So, I mean, I could easily see the Raiders winning that game. Uh, as for the the Dolphins uh, against the Titans, I get the Titans a little banged up. They got some key guys hurt, of course, with big one, Henry. Derrick Henry's obviously out for the year. But I, I, I could still see the Titans easily winning that game. And then this – whole kind of landscape that they have seen the playoff picture just changes just on a dime like that. Chill? What's going on, guys? Yeah, what do you think, Chill? I mean, I know you're a big uh, Green Bay fan, and uh, y'all could potentially lose the number one seed here. It's not exactly clinched yet. Yeah, you've clinched the division, but you got a tough game against the Vikings this week. We're also looking to play some meaningful footballs. They're fighting for a playoff spot. What are kind of your predictions there? Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited. I think – I think Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, the greatest duo in the almost, like the past decade, I think. And um, oh, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have to disagree with you there. <laughs> a little biased, but yeah. uh, man, I I think the only team I'm a little nervous about is Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay, when their defense is playing well and Tom Brady in the playoffs, that's the only team that makes me nervous as a pack as a Packer fan. Um, yeah, and that's warranted. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay's roster; it's nothing but experience. I mean. Obviously, everybody knows they re-signed all the guys they won the Super Bowl with. But look at the offense. You got Tom Brady. You got Rob Gronkowski. That's what? That's got to be at least like eight Super Bowls right there between the two, at the very least, I would think. And then you have guys like Antonio Brown who have been there and done that. Now you have great players like Chris Godwin 
Ed, he's out. Chris Ooh, Godwin's out. Okay, Chris, whatever. Chris Godwin's out. You got great players like Mike Evans who are on that team. Leonard Fournette as well. Like these great playmakers on offense who have now been there and done that. And I mean, Buccaneers, is, it, it, I, I get where you're coming from when you say you're worried about that team because that's a team that has a lot of playmakers now with Super Bowl winning experience. I mean, that's something definitely to be a little bit uh, worried about. Something to definitely keep you up at night. All right, Chill, I know you love to sit down and break down playoff pictures, so I'll let you go your thoughts, especially on the NFC, because I know you had some opinions about that. And also, you and I were talking the other day. You can go into uh, who you think your uh, your hopefuls are that are still in the Super Bowl. Because uh, those of you guys who don't know Chill, um, he's definitely his NFL knowledge. He's like a watch all 16 games every week, read up everything. Absolutely. He's like eight fantasy football leagues. So NFL's dairy, definitely his area of expertise. So Chill, I'm going to let you take this one away. So with the NFC... I think the wild card stays pretty much the same as it already is. I, I got Arizona 5, San Francisco 6, and I'll take Philadelphia at 7. Um, but I, I would say right now it's a toss-up between Dallas and Tampa Bay for second. I don't think the Rams will come in second. I see them coming in fourth, um, and I see I see Dallas being a – Giving us a contender, giving Green Bay the contender for the number one seed uh, to get that bye week. And um, AFC, man, I'll tell you, AFC is a complete nightmare. It's a complete headache looking at everything on that side. Um, what, yeah, I mean. I would love to see the Raiders get into the playoffs. Just the fact all the adversity they've had to come through. Um, I've always liked the way that John Gruden's kind of built that team. There's guys that have clearly had issues, whether it has to deal with, I don't know, any drug issues, whether it's been discipline issues with other teams. He's really kind of got the other teams outcast, teams rejects, and brought them to this team and kind of molded them into kind of a on-the-fence playoff team. And I kind of like how he built that despite the fact that he's not there anymore. And they seem to be really rallying behind their uh, now interim head coach, Rick, uh, how do you say his name, Basacha? It, it's somewhere along those lines. Either way, that's not important. They're rallying around, uh, behind the guy. I, I would think he's going to be a front runner for their head coach in vacancy next year. And uh, this is a team that's on a mission. This is a team that can very well make things happen, especially when I'm looking at their upcoming schedule. The Raiders play the Colts, which we now know may they may be without Carson Wentz. I don't like Sam Ellinger uh, potentially filling in. I just don't really see anything happening there. And then they host the Chargers the last week, who will be kind of sitting in the same boat. Yeah, fighting absolutely. For the last playoff spot. But uh, I hope the Raiders don't make it. I can't stand the Raiders. But that's because I was raised by a Broncos <laughs> fan, so I was told to hate the Raiders or else. But, um, no, this AFC, a lot of it, the nice thing about all this and what's going to make it fun is a lot of these teams on both sides have to play each other, which will kind of let it all kind of take care of itself yeah. as to how, like, who went, you know, who gets ahead of who. All these teams are tied. Well, a lot of them have to still play one another, which will determine kind of who moves ahead and who moves behind. But I want to ask you, Ben, you brought up you weren't high on the Colts. I mean, obviously not. no wins this week, so we're not going to get into totally this, but what is your thing on not being high on the Colts? Because I, I want to hear this, and I'm going to go um, with the counter argument after. I'm going to let you prove okay, the point. Chill is going to be the, uh, the, the tiebreaker on whether the Colts are legit. I just don't like the fact they're a team that primarily runs on a, or depends on a running back. Um, that's why I don't like the Titans going very far in the playoffs when they did have Derrick Henry. I never saw them as Super Bowl contenders. 
they're very one-dimensional in that aspect. And if, I mean, I already didn't have a lot of faith in Carson Wentz to kind of get the job done and really just be a game manager. Sometimes he's prone to do a little bit too much and make a lot of mistakes. And uh, I don't think Sam Ellinger is going to be any better based on what I've seen so far this year. With Sam Ellinger, forget we, we got to see him a little bit early on in the preseason. He didn't even look good in the preseason against us. And I look at the weapons the Colts have. I mean, yeah, you got Michael Pittman outside of that. I mean, nobody really catches my eye here. And I'm not even, like, the highest on Michael Pittman. I think anywhere else, he's more so like a slot receiver or a number two. So, I don't really believe that much in their offense. And I know they're a little banged up when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, that just doesn't screen to me a team that's primed for a deep playoff run or primed to even make the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, I get it. The defense is legit. I just think you got to be able to score points as well. I think they should make the playoffs. Obviously, it'd be different, you know, Wentz, how long he's out with the with the Rona. But here's my thing: not very many teams have a good offensive line. Yeah, and this team's got the best offensive line. This team's defense, especially that front seven, is phenomenal. Wentz has only thrown six picks this year. Two of them were in that just horrendous performance from the Titans. He might have thrown more than two in the game, but I knew he threw the pick six at the end against the Titans at home and then the interception overtime that those two end up losing the game. He's got all day to throw the ball back there. This team can run it down your throat, cause you to bring guys up, and then hit Pittman and T.Y. over the top. T.Y. Hilton is finally playing to his full potential. I, I mean, I like the Colts. I don't know. We'll let Chill be the tiebreaker on this. I said at the beginning of the year that they were going to struggle because their schedule was horrendous. Sure enough, they did. They had the Titans on the road early. They had the Rams early. They had the Seahawks early. Those were their first uh, three games. I just named them in reverse order, though. And uh, they lost all three of those, which I predicted them to, but I still predicted them to make the playoffs. I'm loving where they're sitting. I, I think Indianapolis, this is a building year for sure. I agree with a lot with what Ben was saying. I don't see too much of them being a huge threat, uh, but at the same time, I I don't think there's a hotter running back than Jonathan Taylor right now. And absolutely, yeah. I mean, I just don't I don't like the fact that I mean we're down to like five healthy starters right now because they have so many injuries on the offensive line. I get it's one of the better offensive lines in football, but a lot of that has to do with like guys like Quentin Nelson on their line and a few others, and all those guys are out. Like the the, the number one guys. Like the best players on their offensive line are not healthy right now, and I just don't, I don't see a team with that atrocious of an offensive line situation right now backdooring their way against the playoffs, regardless of who they play. I mean, you look at the teams that have won Super Bowls in the past here recently, and teams that have been primed for deep playoff runs, they have the offensive line figured out. I, I can't say the same for the Colts. I mean. The, they, they've had it figured out, but there's just too many injuries where I, I just don't see it happening, them backdooring their way in, especially against a team against the Raiders who have a point to prove. They are, they're playing meaningful football. Jaguars, I could see them winning that game, but it might be a point where they're, they're, they're too far behind, especially with the, uh, the playoff picture right now in the AFC, and they won't be able to get in. Well, I think what it's going to all pretty much end up coming down to is how many of these teams are tied and how all the tiebreakers end up falling. Because there's probably going to be – a handful of AFC teams at 10 wins, yep. and a few of them are going to get knocked out. Because right now, just quick, well, Cincinnati and Buffalo both have nine, but they are in their division, respectable division leads. Okay, then at also at nine, you have India, New England, but then at eight, you have Miami, Baltimore, L.A., and Vegas. So if the cookie crumbles correctly, 
I don't think I'm sure a couple of these teams have to play each other. Yep. Well, a couple of these teams that play each other might be one of the teams with nine wins. If the team with nine wins can win their other game and lose to the team with eight wins, there could be quite the tiebreaker. Obviously, we're not going to get into all those scenarios and just bore you with this team yeah. gets in if this team loses or ties, loses or ties. You know, that's all it's going to be. But uh, yeah, I don't know this. Uh, who knows with the tiebreakers, but the bottom line is I think they are one of the best seven teams in the AFC. Like, if this was a committee thing, this was the NCAA tournament where everybody, uh, you know, gets ticked off on Selection Sunday, the college football playoff, and I to find seven AFC teams. Uh, I like the Colts, but we'll see how that goes. Um, I, I look at it this way. I look at the teams that are around them right now when it sits with the uh, AFC playoff picture. You got the Patriots right under them. They're, I mean, they're tied at nine games right now. They play the Jaguars. I would think that would be a win for sure. I look at the Bills. They're playing the Falcons. Despite the fact that the Falcons are still technically in the playoff hunt, I don't see the Bills losing that game. I also look at the Chargers playing the Broncos. And the Broncos are also playing meaningful football. They're that number 13 when it comes to the kind of the in-the-hunt picture in the AFC. But I do anticipate the Chargers playing that game. So next thing you know, you're looking at all these teams with nine wins and the Colts potentially dropping in the seating, and they could very easily lose or find their way out of the playoff hunt quickly in a matter of two weeks, especially if their injuries at quarterback and on offensive line, your most important positions when it comes to the offense. Yeah, what does help them is they still technically stand a chance to win this division, which would automatically put them in, of course. And uh, those Tennessee Titans, they have a they have a pretty tough game this week, I believe. Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins. Yeah. yeah, the Dolphins, who are the hottest team in the NFL. So the Pats is another team you brought up. They still have to play the Dolphins in Miami. And as we know, this may be a Brady thing. I was a Brady thing or a Belichick thing. But the, one of those two, maybe both of them, cannot win in Miami. That look, game is Look at who the Dolphins have played, though, during this streak. They've played the Texans. They've played the Jets, the Giants, the Panthers, the Jets again, the, the Saints. I mean, these are – I get it. This, people are high the on the Ravens. Saints. They they have played the Ravens, uh, I, but other than that, I mean, most of this has been garbage kind of teams in this kind of winning streak here. I'm not a full believer in the Dolphins, and I'm not a full believer in Tua. I, that's another team that's kind of backdooring their way in. I just don't think – real teams don't backdoor their way in. They're consistently great throughout the year, and you have to be that way when it comes to the AFC to actually make some noise and uh, get your way in the playoffs. I just think the Dolphins are not legit. I think they're pretenders as well as uh, the Colts here. I just I don't believe in them. I don't like streaky teams. I don't think they're that good either, but confidence can do a lot, which can win you these couple games and get you in. I can see it, absolutely. Good point. Chill, thoughts on the AFC? Any closing thoughts? Man, I, I think it's Kansas City or Buffalo to meet Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Um, maybe we could see New England in there, but... I, it's a headache, man. It's really a headache. Anything can happen in that AFC. Man, I wish the Bengals could go on a run. I would love to see the Bengals like make a deep run in the playoffs, especially with everything they've kind of been through this year. The fact that uh, everybody's everybody was dogging on Jamar Chase uh, in the preseason. He comes back, looks like the offensive rookie of the year for the AFC, maybe outside of Mac Jones. Just a number of other things. A team that kind of seemed like they were in dead water coming into the season. Now bouncing back, they have a third seed in the AFC. I uh, like the Bengals. They do play the Chiefs, but uh, I don't know. I just want to see the Bengals go on the run. That's my personal favorite in the AFC. It's just if I was picking, if if you know, in a great, perfect scenario in a perfect world, I would love to see the Bengals make a run. 
Yeah. Well, the problem is, as we all know, when the Bengals get to the playoffs, I mean, heck, when's the last time they won a playoff game? I think it was technically in the 90s. The last time I can remember was uh, – Hey, that's Marvin the, Lewis. Whatever the – yeah, he never won one. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, Marvin Lewis. Yeah, so I think the last time I can remember him winning one was the 88-89 NF, or AFC championship game. Obviously, they lose to uh, Montana with the, uh, the famous 93-yard drive. But uh, that'll do it for us today. A lot of – College football, pro football, man, this is an exciting time of year. Football is my favorite sport, sport I played the most. So, uh, you know, sport I thought I had to choose, I would have went pro in, but we all know I wasn't going pro in anything. Um, but that'll do it for us here today. For uh, Ben Byram and Chill Phil, I'm Philip Pilkington, and thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you all tomorrow. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-501-3689 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-501-3689 for your free author submission kit. Again, 800-501-3689. Did you know that most adults with autism are unemployed and a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities? That's why Autism Speaks is teaming up with Lee Container, the Jay Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund, and delivering jobs to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Are you an HR professional, community leader, or business owner? Join us.